With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. This is Football Social Daily, the only daily Premier League-focused podcast you can shove into your ears on a daily basis for a lovely football fix. I'm Jim Salverson, that's Niall McCorn. Hello. That's Phil Hudson over there. Hello. And on today's to-do list for the show, we have the war of words that is brewing between Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp. Are we gearing up for a Keegan versus Fergie Mark II? If the paper's to be believed at the moment, Raheem Sterling is off to Real Madrid with... Gareth Bale coming the other way in what can only be described as the worst deal in footballing history. Is there any truth in it at all? We'll be discussing that and we'll be looking ahead to the Champions League ties for our Premier League teams, Chelsea and Liverpool both in action tonight. But first, I want to take a little vote on the first topic we're going to talk about on the Football Social Daily today because there is yet more VAR goings on to discuss. So, have we had enough of VAR, or are we going to touch on this quickly at the beginning of the show? We can have a quick yes and no. You can just say go first, Phil. I'm out of swear. No. <laughs> well, then it's going to be difficult for me, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yes or no? It's not that difficult. I think I think we can have a very quick one. Right, a quick but VAR. It's going to, I think Niall and I are in agreement, and it's going to be the final word on it. Yeah, I've the had a final it, word. I've had a guts full of VAR. Okay. So you're going, you're going no. I'm going. I'm. Well, we spoke about it at length for well for the first ten minutes or so of the the Sunday review show. So yeah. if people do want to get their VAR fix from more than one person, go and listen to that. But um, I'm happy to share, like Phil says, maybe thirty seconds. We'll give it that, shall we? Okay. Well, I my vote's obsolete then. So we'll just crack on and talk about VAR very briefly. <laughs> I promise. Chris Sutton said something very interesting yesterday. That's and I know, a lie. Yeah. Even a stop clock and all that. But Chris Sutton said that he thought that referees were in a sheer panic about making any decisions concerning VAR at the moment. And it made me think that when you think back to the decisions that have been made very recently, that does seem to be the case. Referees are questioning every decision they make and it's causing more referrals to VAR than probably it was intended to have in the first place. So maybe the fault isn't necessarily with VAR as a technology, the fault is with the amount it is being used at the moment. No, the fault's with the people operating the VAR. VAR is a system. It doesn't have a brain of its own. No. It has someone operating it. Yeah, but that's it's, the, it's the amount of referrals that are going to VAR at the moment. This think, weekend alone, we I watched, saw three very poor decisions. I, I agree, and I watched a load of games this weekend. And there was one, I think, in one game where the ball went out for a corner and they checked for a handball before the corner came in. The referee immediately pointed to the corner flag straight away. Didn't mm. even consider handball. Oh, we'll just check that. So it's completely, it's, uh, it's overruling it, and undermining the referee without but, the referee even doing anything. the referee's undermining himself because the referee's making that call. No, 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 the referee, the referee doesn't go, I want to check that. 
the VAR just went, we'll check that for you. So it's a total... Uh, the camera was focused on it. But that's not the way it should have. That's not no. the way it was supposed to work. No, but, it was supposed but, to be the referee this is asking the point. for backup. This, this is the point. It's not working the way it's supposed to work. And I said this to Phil just before we came into the studio. It's like, you know when you go into a restaurant or a pub and you order some food and you're absolutely starving, but you order just too much, eat half of it and you think, oh, I can't finish the rest. But you feel <laughs> implored to eat the rest of that meal because you've paid for it. I always finish a meal. Oh, always. Good on you, Jim. I'm not entirely <laughs> certain a, that he's considered his you. audience with this metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, it's like when you order too much food, you fill up and you eat the rest of it anyway just because you paid for it and you feel like you have to. That is what is going on at the moment in the Premier League with VAR. We've brought it in. We weren't ready for it. It wasn't phased in. It wasn't the right time. We're not using it properly. We don't really know what we're doing. And it is the equivalent of, OK, we're going to have to see it through to the end of the season yeah, now. Completely. Because of the fairness of the competition and the interest of fairness in the Premier League, VAR cannot be scrapped halfway through the season. We have to take it through to the end. What I think there should be is a vote during the Christmas break, the, the winter two-week break or whatever it's going to be this year. But I think there should be a vote on that on VAR as to whether and how we're going to take it forward next yeah. season or if we are at all. I could, the club's voting, obviously. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. But I've got to say, the old argument about, and I've made this argument myself, about you can't get rid of VAR halfway through the season because it's not fair on the first half of the season. VAR is being used differently now than it was being used at the beginning I of the season. The briefing to referees at the beginning of the season was it's for objective, not subjective decisions. And now we're seeing it being used for subjective decisions as well as objective decisions. So even in those 11 match days, match weeks, the use of VAR has changed. So the argument about a level playing field is kind of blown up the water. Yeah, slightly. I mean, I think I think the point you made about passive refereeing was really interesting. The, the Firmino decision at the weekend where he was given offside by his armpit. Mm. Um, everyone's hammered that. I listened to Adrian Durham on TalkSport last night and I was ready to top myself. And... <laughs> He said, oh, VAR disallowed the goal. It's a disgrace. His armpit was perpendicular, all this. And he went on and on and on. It's not football language. But the, the truth is, VAR didn't disallow the goal. VAR upheld the linesman's decision yeah. to flag him offside, yeah. which isn't the same thing. But generally speaking, what you'll see is that linesmen aren't going to make marginal calls anymore because they're going to just defer to VAR and let the game run. So you, the point you made earlier about passive refereeing is, is going to stand. The, other, the point Niall made, though, about can't alter it now because you're halfway through the season, is also going to stand, and that should be the last word on it. Mm. What they do need to come out with is a satisfactory definition of how they're going to employ it between now and the rest of the season, and they need to do that immediately, and then we have to just get on with it for the rest of the year because, like I said, I'm just sick of talking about it. It's not interesting. Everyone is. It's like the dreaded B word. There's been much, much more conversation about VAR than there has been about controversial decisions. Yeah, no, no one likes change. No one likes big change, especially in something you love, and we all love football. And so the, the change has been massive. It's, it's been a sea change. It's not been a small sort of tweak to the way we I- employ technology in our game. It's been a huge change. And that's what's made it so difficult for people to but get even, to grips with. Even like within that, there's still been decisions that you would say aren't necessarily obvious ones, like the Son sending off mm. at, the week, at the weekend. Son was sent off because Gomez's ankle was at 90 degrees to his leg. And we spoke about the statement that was issued yesterday and we thought that was a complete joke mm. about, you know, because Son tripped him and then he went on to break his ankle. You know, the, the consequences of Son's challenge resulted in a serious injury. Therefore, Son should no, be sent off. Yeah. It's like saying, if I, sh- the dog, if, I sh- if I shoulder barged you off the pitch, you fell into I'm, the crowd I'm, I'm and ca- broke your I'm leg. calling time on the VAR discussion now because we've Good got decisions. well over the 30 seconds. Good decisions. I've referred to VAR and it said we've had enough VAR. So we're going to draw a line under it there because it won't be the last time we talk about it. And just, we're going over old ground already. But Just had an armpits too much of VAR. <laughs> on, the, on the Gomez... Injury, just very quickly, Everton have said that 
they've looked at the injury and he's going to make a full recovery, which is great news. Yes. The other interesting thing is Tottenham have said they're going to appeal Son's red card, mm-hmm. which, if it gets overturned, will be an incredible chain of events where a referee's made the decision and VAR has upheld that decision. Premier League could have explained that decision and then it's been overturned by a panel. <laughs> I mean, what a ridiculous chain of events that would be. Well, I'll tell you what's ridiculous is, the, think, is the fact the... VAR t- sent him off. Martin well, Atkinson had the yellow card in his hand. We just have to acknowledge that probably a mistake's been made and the v- for me, the red card should be rescinded. And I, I hope it is. Right, that's it. Line drawn off to, under VAR discussion for today. No doubt we'll do at least 20 minutes on it tomorrow. Let's talk about the war of words that's developing between Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp this season as Man City and Liverpool battle out for the Premier League title. This weekend, Guardiola commented on Mane's tendency to dive, which, to be fair, he does. Klopp has responded by saying he doesn't want to pour oil on the fire and promised that he wouldn't mention tactical fouling and thus mention tactical fouling, which, to be fair, Manchester City do. Does this have any shades of Fergie versus Keegan about it? Oh, the I, classic oh, managerial just, mind games. I tell you Do what. Do one. I tell you what. That's like, a... This is just like, <laughs> oh my God. This is my mind games with you, Phil. <laughs> 24 years ago. I, I can't remember that. Really? really? You can't Because he wasn't even alive. Wasn't that old he wasn't that old How old are you now? I'm 25. He was one year old when this happened. <laughs> You've got to park it. Keegan had a bit of a rant. All I'll say is I would love it, love it if you (laughs) wind up, Phil. You still know it, you still know it. It's just ridiculous, man. What what Klopp and both both Klopp and Guardiola are doing, it's not the same thing. What they have done, though, is they've brought in the referee's attention, whoever the referee's going to be, they've put it in his mind that Mane goes down a bit easy and they've put it in his mind that City do tactical fouls. That's what they've done it for. It's not to wind the other one up, It's it's to put that issue at the forefront of a referee's thinking. So really what they're trying to do, they're not trying to mind each other, they're trying to influence a referee. Ferguson was trying to influence the players of the other clubs when he said that Leeds and Nottingham Forest wouldn't try. He was trying to make them try as hard as they could because if they didn't, it would look really, really bad. It, it's psychology. It, yeah, it's a, it's a psychological thing. It's, it's smart. At the end of the day, the, the managers themselves are too professional to be affected by these games, I think. And you're not going to get... Pep or Jurgen Klopp cracking under the pressure or having a no. a Keegan esque rant. Get they're them in the octagon. Cool. They still know what they're doing. I tell you what, I think though, Klopp could go. It's brilliant for the neutral, the the one watching from the outside because this is the biggest game of the season in terms of the Premier League title mm. race, and it's brilliant to watch two managers go toe to toe, fight and talk. It's, I'm not saying that football should turn into boxing by any stretch and they should start sort of, WWE. Yeah, exactly. It's no trash talk on the microphone and all of this stuff, but it certainly adds a I different like edge to the game. The managers going and facing off and, and sort of having tat-a-tat with each other in the press is what makes the build-up exciting to mm. the game, which inevitably means it's going to finish nil-nil now. It's such an exciting facet to the Premier League where you've got these managers with personalities. We've had too many managers over the years in the Premier League who are just lacking in colour and character and these two have got character in abundance and I think they've got two well Jurgen Klopp calls his Liverpool side heavy metal football you could argue Pep Guardiola plays some of the best football we've ever seen in the Premier League probably the best team we've seen last season or the season before so this is going to be an exciting affair and why not add that extra element of those two managers going at it who cares really what they say it it is interesting it is interesting one a friend of mine writes for a well-known national newspaper that's not particularly popular on Merseyside. And um, <clears throat> and he said that he's the football correspondent for the North East. And he said that the issue with Rafa when he did his press conference was he never said anything like that was unguarded. Mm. He never gave you anything that 
wasn't pre-planned. So if he said something, it was often to influence the board. It was often to influence the fans, influence the referee, whatever it might be. He said, and that's that's where you lose, you know, good copy because he said Allardyce was much more entertaining when he was Sunderland manager because he he wasn't as smart. Mm. Yes, he says so. But where what I think is with this, I think this is just smart management. What's the most exciting thing Raf has ever done in a press conference or an interview? Was bring out facts. that pe- bring out that piece of paper with all the facts as to why the referees have made a wrong decision or why things are going against his side. That was the most exciting thing he's ever done in a press conference. Mm. You think about these two. Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola, they're always whinging about something, they're always complaining about something, and yeah, Phil's right, there's a massive psychology to it in terms of making sure you say the right thing to maximise what you want to get out of your side, but at the same time, as much as these gammon managers, as people Mm. call them, like Allardyce and even Ian Holloway, I mean, some of the things they say now are probably very out of tune and out of date, but... They're characters. It's what you want to see in the Jose game. Jose Marino was the master of it. Absolutely. Just deflect the, the, the old uh, dead cat on the table trick. Well, Talk f- about something else. Yeah. For, well, first, if Man United were rubbish, Mourinho would say something outrageous. Yeah, completely. Because then, the, then the, the narrative in the papers was about Mourinho and what he'd said. It wasn't about the fact that Man United had just been held to a nil-nil draw by Crystal Palace. Which is part of the issue, and I'm going to turn this story around to West Ham as I managed to do with pretty much Brilliant. Let's talk about West Ham, Jim. (laughs) But it's part of the problem at West Ham at the moment and the pressure that Pellegrini is under from the press is because he gives nothing away in press conferences. Just says he He doesn't know. He says nothing interesting. (laughs) He underplays the whole thing, which is a very... And he did it at City. Very deliberate tactic. But it does... Just intensifies questions, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, completely. Right, so, with that in mind, I mean, the fans love it, we love it, the cold city, Liverpool. At the end of the day, it's a war of words, but there is truth in the words that are being said, because Mane does have a tendency to dive, but so do most Premier League strikers, and Manchester City do have a tendency for tactical fouling. As does most Premier League midfields. Uh, exactly, yeah. Don't get the point here. There wasn't a point. <laughs> <laughs> Everything happens. Everything happens. Everything happens. Everything wow, happens. more news as we get it, guys. <laughs> Everything. Niles just solved time. It always happens. Every team does it. And yeah, as they're I just say, the two best teams, and they're the two best teams that do it. Klopp, Klopp's thinking: if I can make the referee worry about Fernandinho's tactical foul, Fernandinho mm. pulls down Firmino early doors and is, is on a yellow card, and that puts him at a disadvantage for the for the remaining eighty-five minutes. Here's yeah. one for you. Just a quick one. Do you think? Pep Guardiola might throw in a curveball and start Phil Foden against Liverpool because David Silva's injured and won't play the I game. Think Do you think Guardi- there's a chance I, I, of that? I think Guardiola's got some selection problems. Oh, ahead, massively. Manchester City are riddled with injuries. And then you've got another game between now and then in the Champions League as well. So, yeah, I think there's a possibility that Phil Foden could get a game. I don't understand why that would be considered to be a risky move, though, because the kid's clearly absolute mm. quality. Oh, yeah, of course. But it's just Pep never really starts it's... him. He started him in the Tottenham game last yeah, yeah. season, towards the end, of the end of the season, and he scored in a 1-0 win. And that was a big game. And there were a few people inside. I was at the Etihad that day, and there were a few people inside the ground that were a bit like, Oh, fair play to Pep. Like they weren't worried, but they were a bit like, "Oh, that's un- unusual for Pep to mm. throw him into such a big game." Because normally Foden's kind of restricted to these cup were games you... and Champions League games against, you know, no disrespect, lesser opposition. Were what? you in? Yeah, they had in your capacity as a social media influencer. No, I wasn't. Uh, I just thought you might be trying to, you know, <laughs> no, portray an electric live atmosphere or something like that. Vast followers. <laughs> they did give me free sweets in the press box, though. Wow, wow, the heady heights of being part of Football Social Daily. That's that's well, what that's what Arab money buys you. I'm going to stick a pin in the Phil Foden question for now because there will be a full build-up ahead of the weekend's games, including Manchester City versus Liverpool on Saturday mornings 
Football Social Daily. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you get that show as soon as it's ready. Plus, if you want a full match report via your smart speaker of that game or any other Premier League game, you can get that on our Sports Social Alexa skill. Just ask your Alexa, open Sports Social, and tell us what you want to hear. Before we move on, I just want to talk very quickly about the rumours that are flying around in the press last night and this morning about a potential move for Raheem Sterling to Real Madrid, which apparently the offer on the table from Real, 70 million quid plus Gareth Bale. How much, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much truth do we think is in this suggested rumour that apparently City have already said is off the table, they're not going to consider it? In a scale of 1 to 10, I can't say 0, can I? Because, <laughs> no, no. So <laughs> it's, one, it's, it's clearly come from Spain. They're trying to unsettle Sterling in the idea that he'd want to go to Real Madrid. I'm not even sure he'd want to go to Real Madrid, to be perfect. I honest. mean, surely from Raheem Sterling's point of view, he's going to look at the progress he's made under Guardiola at City and go, this is my man, this is my mentor. Whilst, Guardiola might not be there. But whilst he is still there, Sterling will stay. When Guardiola moves on, does, maybe he'll Does no one else think else? that 70 million plus Bale undervalues Sterling? Yes. Oh, completely, yeah. I mean, that's assuming that Bale is worth 80 million odd quid. No, I think, it's assuming, that, I think it's assuming that Bale's worth 50. 120 million quid to get Sterling now. I think Sterling. I think Sterling's getting. He's still. He's still not old. You know. He's, he's not. It's not like he's 30. He's still. He's, he's approaching his peak. Mm. Whereas he, Bale is. 30. Whereas Bale is 30. So Bale now in the market. Bear in mind. Well, they can't sell him. They'd love to sell him. They can't sell him. So his value really nominatively is zero. Yeah. Because they tried to demand a fee from the Chinese club. And the second a fee was talked about, the Chinese club pulled out because his wages were prohibited. Wasn't that ten million? Yeah, it was a nominal fee. Ah. And also, he's only um, worth what someone will pay for him. Also, the other lad broke his leg. I can't remember his name mm. um, in Real Madrid's side now for the life of me. But one of their midfielders broke his leg or got seriously injured. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can't I remember. can't remember the guy's name either, but I know. Yeah, yeah. Would City <clears throat> take a chance on Gareth Bale? Take the Sterling thing out of it because I don't think Sterling's. No, no, no. If he was on a free transfer, no, no. you think Sterling no. would not even a player no. that City it doesn't, would consider. It doesn't, it doesn't fit no. in their system. He's a great player still, even though he's not the player he was, he's still a fantastic footballer. There's no doubt about that. But it doesn't he's not going to be able to play the way Guardiola wants people to play. So why would you sign him? Bear in mind as well that in three or four months, City will have Leroy Sane back. Yeah. Who who is a younger, faster, arguably better version of Gareth Bale, who's twenty two. Who could still go to Bayern, obviously. Now yeah, but that then solve that problem when it happens. Mm. Don't solve a problem that hasn't happened yet. So we're saying no. <laughs> I can't see it. I can see Sterling going to Real Madrid at some point. I can't see it happening this season in a swap deal with Bale. No chance. Putting that dead in the water. We're going to come back in a minute and talk about Champions League football. Liverpool and Chelsea both in action tonight. We'll be previewing their games against Genk and AX. That's next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily, Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Let's talk Champions League and the Premier League teams that are in action tonight. Liverpool versus KRC Genk and Chelsea are playing Ajax. Let's start with Liverpool, who look pretty capable of fighting on every front this season, I think. Fergal pointed out in a podcast last week the depth that Jurgen Klopp have in that side. They've virtually got two 11s that could compete 
in most competitions. Except the World Club Championship and the League Cup, obviously. Because he doesn't uh, want to, does he? No. <laughs> he said, yeah. no, I can't. I can't well, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a theory thing, isn't it? You can have depth in your squad. You can't send two different teams to go and play in two different competitions at the same time. But I would say that Manchester City's second eleven, if all were fully fit, would wipe the floor with Liverpool's. Agreed. Even though City are struggling to keep pace with Liverpool. Liverpool, so Liverpool are season. struggling. Liverpool haven't played well for weeks. Liverpool yeah, haven't Liverpool, played well Liverpool for weeks. Are... They scraped past Sheffield United with a mistake. And this is why everyone says sign a champions, you've got to win games. I'm not discrediting Liverpool at all in terms of their ability to win games because that is phenomenal. In terms of their performance levels, they definitely haven't been peaked. They scored winning goals in like the 90 plus well, minutes. They, they, really? they, they beat Aston Villa late. They equalised late with Lelana at Old Trafford, as Phil's saying. They got a mistake via Dean Henderson, let the ball through his legs against mm. Sheffield United. There was another game as well, I can't remember. They, they just haven't been at top octane recently. Elite mentality, no doubt about 100%. it. 100%. That's not what I'm questioning. I'm just saying but that their performance right. levels aren't quite there at the moment and they need to step that up going against, albeit a depleted Manchester City side who do have injuries. But I think tonight in the Champions League against Genk, you will see Klopp twisting the side a little bit. He will shuffle the pack and bring some players in. Like um, You mentioned Alana a minute ago. I think he'll give Naby Keita a game as well. Oxley Chamberlain seems to get a run out in most Champions Oxley League games. Chamberlain, yeah, absolutely. So we might see um, Harvey Elliott he played an extremely young side in the cup match against Arsenal uh, a week or so ago, where he had Sepp van den Berg, the youngster at the mm. back, Harvey Elliott. Um, there's Kiana Hoiver as well. There's Rian Brewster. They've got all of these young players. Klopp's going to need to integrate them at some point, I think, with a big game against Manchester City coming up at the weekend, I think, against Genk. We will see some of the younger players play, albeit... Genk are a good team because they've brought through... If you've seen the list of players that Genk have brought through over the years... Koulibaly. Courtois, Koulibaly, yeah. Ndidi, Divock Origi. Yeah, Klopp said that, didn't he? They listed all the players and Klopp was like, you missed out Divock Origi, a Liverpool legend. <laughs> Klopp said it was quite good, quite like that line. Do you think that that game against Arsenal, where he did blood youngsters, particularly in defence, and they shipped a whole load of goals, will maybe make Jürgen Klopp more cautious in throwing those players into a European game where Liverpool still need to qualify. If they win tonight, then they still need another point from the last two games to qualify for the next round. Do you, do you think... I would argue that Arsenal are better than Genk. Yeah. Even the Arsenal team that was probably put out in that cup tie would give Genk a really, really serious game. But do you take that risk? If you, uh, well, well, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Being objective, you would say it's not a risk. If you deem them to be good enough to play against Arsenal with a lot of first-team players playing and kept, you know, TNE, £35 million left-back or whatever... Mm then you would say it's not a risk. But subjectively, Champions League points at stake. I think you'll probably go half and half. I think you'll... I think some of... You know, Lalana. I think some of those guys will play, but I think he might... It won't be as young as the Arsenal team, but it will still... I think, as Niall says, he will still make some changes. But I, I still think he'll have enough to, to win pretty comfortably. He was really reluctant to talk about the Manchester City game in the press conference ahead of the Champions League clash. Jurgen Klopp, this is. He said, The story the boys wrote in the past three years was only possible because they were always focused on the next game. It's kind of the old cliche of one game at a time, but he's just changed the words around mm-hmm. a little bit. You, I mean, you, Liverpool cannot go through the next few months of football thinking... With, from his point of view, with that mentality, one game at a time, with the kind of fixture congestions they have, you're right, there has to be game management, there has to be squad management, you have to play your young players in games like this. Here's a question that might influence our thinking here. Does Is Klopp as desperate to win the Champions League again as he is to win the Premier League? No. Right, I, I agree with you. But, but, if he, but if he is desperate to win the Champions League again, he's going to want to qualify top of that group. Mm. 
Well, they, they didn't qualify top of the group last time when they won it. They lost to PSG in the group stages last year. And this season, they've already lost the game. They lose to Napoli. Yeah, they lose to so I'm saying. So, but they're going to have to go to Napoli and probably win to qualify mm-hmm. and top the group. So if you've got all those games to manage, it's much easier to front weight your last two Champions League games and make sure you win the group than have to manage a much more arduous journey to the Champions League final if that is a priority for you. Premier League's the priority for Liverpool. Oh, of course. I think it is. I, I, I absolutely agree. I'm just... I'm just throwing it out Certainly there as an from alternative a fan's viewpoint. Perspective, I expect from an owner's perspective, Jurgen Klopp. I mean, you'd expect that his priorities—he's done Champions League. You'd expect he wants to win the Premier League now. But they'd have to get to the knockout stage. Yeah, I think I think the supporters Which they will. At, the supporters at the minimum would expect them to get through to the knockout stages of the Champions League. It was 4-1. as good as they are in the competition. They they do have. I've said it before on the show. They have a love affair with the Champions League, so they have to get through to the knockout stages. I think if they get to the the quarterfinals and get knocked out. I don't mm. think anyone would be too fussed. It was 4-1 in Belgium, so you would expect to Anfield this to be pretty much of a formality, even if they play those fringe players and those youth players. Yeah, I'd agree. Right, let's talk about Chelsea then. Playing Ajax tonight. The big news for Chelsea is N'Golo Kante is back in the squad. He struggled to get going a little bit this season. Injury hit, mm. but it could be a real key player. If he's played in the right position and not stuck out on the left wing or something random like that, like he was last season. But N'Golo Kante could be a real boon to be in Chelsea's squad when fit. Well, they've done all right without him, haven't they? So far, seven away wins in a row. Yeah. Club record for away wins for Chelsea. Tammy Abraham banging the goals in. Jorginho with a brilliant pass for Tammy Abraham's goal against Watford at the weekend. They are playing against Ajax, though, and Ajax controlled the midfield in their games last season, which is why they were so good in the Champions League, mm. albeit... Some of their midfielders have moved on to, to pastures new. But they won the game in Ajax. I mean, we predicted a goal they fest, I think. And they it ended they up did, one nil. They yeah. did, but it was 1 0 and it was a very close game. There was another a lot great of chances. Football social prediction. <laughs> a lot of chances. But I think N'Golo Kante, yeah, it deployed properly it is a massive asset. Everyone says he's the best in the world in that position. Mm. What is his position? That's what I want to know. Got because, about three. Because he's not the same as he's not the same as Fabinho, who some people Fabinho and Ndidi, those two at the moment with Fernandinho playing centre-back for City right now. I think those two at the moment are the best defensive midfield players in the Premier League. Isn't he like on a, good, current a good version of Scotty Parker? So, isn't, well, that, isn't that kind Scottie of where Parker he plays? Scotty Parker was a good player. <laughs> yeah, he I'm was. Saying. He's, what he's do you a think, good Phil? version of Scotty Parker, McAleary and Lee Boyer. What do you think, though? He's three players in one. Phil, I've never seen anyone like, like him. Like I say, I think Fabinho and Ndidi at this moment in time are the best two defensive midfielders in the Premier League. Conte, no, because he's been injured. But I think if he was fit, he would be in that bracket, but... I think Can of the, I think of those two players and then Conte and I think well they're almost not the same. It's like no, Kante, he's on his own. Kante's Kante's so unique because his his pace to the ball is incredible. When it, if you watch him live, like in the stadium, it's it, his work rate across shielding that back four is insane. Mm. He possibly doesn't have the range of saying Undidi or or even a Fabinho to do some of the things offensively that those players can do. But in terms of the ground he covers, the tactical shield he provides is unparalleled. I've never seen anything like it. McAleary was brilliant at it, but Kant is like an evolution. Yeah. To a faster Premier League, he's a, he's a McAleary for our time. But And it is a cliche to say the McAleary role. But he does it at one and a half times the intensity that McAleary did it. Mm. Could be very important with, as you say, a very strong Ajax midfield. And you would predict a win tonight for Chelsea, which is probably a measure of how far they have come just this season under Lampard. And I think we were quite critical. A lot of people didn't expect very much of Chelsea and Lampard this season. And after 
the first Champions League game, which Chelsea lost. And after the opening game of the season, where Chelsea were absolutely hammered by Manchester United with scoreline rather than the actual performance, yeah. I will add, you've got to admire Chelsea and you've got to admire Lampard because he job. has progressed and that team has progressed as the season's gone on. He's done a fantastic job so far. He's got to keep it going, and I think he will. It's fair to make an assessment. What, we're 11, uh, 11, 12 games into the Premier League season? Yeah. 11 games into the Premier League season, so almost a third of the way. That's a fair time to make a call and go, yeah, he's done all right. Yeah, I'd He's agree. made them better to watch without Eden Hazard, which is insanely good. And he's done it without buying anyone and bringing players through the, that they already had at their disposal that other people clearly didn't like mm. the look of. I do think that, weirdly... You have to caveat his success by saying that he's had a transfer ban. Because I think had he gone in, A, I don't think he'd have got the job had it not been for the transfer ban. Mm. But also B, I think had there not been a transfer ban, I think he would have brought players in who maybe would have stifled some of the young players' development mm. that he has at his disposal. His hand's been forced. So I kind of get how what much you're of, saying. Yeah, how much <laughs> of it is Lampard being this savant who sees all these young players and says they can do it and we can make them brilliant? And how much of it saying. is... I have to do this because I don't have a choice. I get what you're saying, but he's got what he's got. He has the tools in his toolkit yeah. of Mason Mount and Tamori and all of these young players that are coming through. Reese James is another exciting young player. And he player. has picked him on occasion ahead of the senior players uh, as well. Well, Giroud can't get a game, mm. Jim. Giroud's played nearly 100 games for France. He's a Premier League stalwart and he can't get a game in Chelsea's team. And there's rumours of him moving on to somewhere like Crystal Palace in January. This is Olivier Giroud we're talking about. This is someone who knows where the back of the net is and he can score special goals and we've seen it and he mm. offers you something different. But he can't get a game. Tammy Abraham's keeping him out the side. Betchwai is keeping him out the side. And this is testament to, to Lampard's belief in these young players. And that's the thing. Although he's not made the decision himself, that's been influenced by the, the transfer ban, as Phil says. He's actually got to do and work with what he's got and that's what he's been doing and he's and been doing it well. It probably took the pressure off a little bit as well, having the transfer ban. But here's a question for you. 20th of November, the transfer ban that Chelsea have is going to be reviewed. Some are predicting it's going to be overturned and Lampard will get 150 million quid to spend in January. If you're Lampard, do you spend that 150 quid? Does he need to spend that 150 quid or does he keep faith with the team that's got him where he is? Um, I don't know. That's why it's a fascinating question because I have no idea. I mean, I'm just thinking, where would Chelsea buy? What do they need? One, the of, one of the things about I Chelsea think is they've got this team togetherness that I, seems to have pulled them through. Yeah, I think centre-backs is where they need to strengthen. I think Zuma, as good as he was for Everton last season, is not having a particularly good season this year. Mm. Um, I just think for whatever reason, he struggled at Chelsea. Uh, Tomori has been their best centre-back. Christensen had a good season a couple of years ago and last season to an extent. But of course, they've lost Louise and uh, Rudiger's injured as well. I just don't think they're quite strong enough. Athpil has not been great this year. I just think maybe in the defensive regions they need to strengthen. I think Rhys James is an exciting young fullback, and I think in terms of fullbacks they might really have their bases covered. I think central defenders, I think if they can bring one of those in, who? a reliable centre-back, then they'll be fine. Who, who could they bring in? Well, that's not me. I'm not a director of football. I'm not... I'm not no, but you are. I'm not you, a, are I'm not a, you are a pundit who, you know, we're meant to be. We're meant to speculate on these things. Isn't that the nature of what we do? <laughs> well, that's why I just who, said. Who I would, said I don't who know. Would you no, bring no, in speculation. You, you don't speculate on who comes to a club. You can. You can guess. I mean, you don't speculate. That's literally so. what a speculation is a lot of time, mate. But, but who would you bring? If you're Chelsea, who'd you bring in? I'm, it's a genuine question. I'm not trying to tip the mic. I'm. I'm interested to know what people think. I. I can't think of a centre half who'd be available to go to Chelsea in January that would improve them. Off the top of my head, I just can't. No. 
which is why we have scouts and directors of football who do their work behind the scenes finding these players. It's not our job to do that. It doesn't feel like Lampard is going to go and spend 90 million quid on a centre-back. He's not going to bring in a superstar. No, 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 that's what I need. Just just someone. Yeah. They just need someone. And even there might even be someone from the academy if we're going to say Lampard is this champion of youth and he brings everyone through. It might be someone from the Chelsea academy that we don't know about. I mean, they've had Thomas Callas out on loan in recent seasons. I think signed permanently for Bristol City now. Or maybe even signing someone. I don't think it's going to be a ninety million pound signing. I'm not saying they're going to go out and sign a superstar like you are. To me, if they were going to spend money, they'd spend it to kind of build depth in the team, almost. So you'd bring in, for example, it feels like Giroud being linked with Palace at the moment. He won't be allowed to leave because they haven't got the depth up front. They need him as a squad player. So maybe they'll bring in that young second, third choice striker that would allow Giroud to leave, allow them to get him off the wage bill although finances have never been a particular concern at Chelsea and if you bring in a young third you know third choice striker who, who again who are you going to get if you're saying to a kid come play for Chelsea you'll be third choice Rashford. when we only play one <laughs> you know when because Batshuayi is going to be ahead of whoever they bring in if they're yeah. bringing in a young lad as well Abraham's the man now that's that's how they're that's how they're looking at it I, I, it's like any of the, the good sides it's difficult to see where they improve yeah and in, in, in sub sub bringing in an absolutely world-class player I think he'll run with it. Yeah. Unless someone's available in January who is absolute bona fide world-class or potential to be absolute bona fide world-class, I don't think he'll do anything. It's a big if when yeah. the transfer ban is overturned in the first and, place. Yeah, exactly. As I say, it's they've got really, the best they've got a, if, they, if the transfer ban is lifted, it's almost a double-edged sword. It could be a bit of a curse and Lampard will have a really difficult decision to make. But briefly, back to tonight's game. Win for Chelsea at Stamford Bridge versus Ajax? Um... I don't know. Tough to call, isn't uh, it? Uh, it's real hard one. Come on, Phil. You're a pundit. You've got to make a I'll go with prediction. Two, I'll, yes, I'll go this with is what's two, called two. being hoisted on your own guitar, isn't it? <laughs> um, I think Chelsea will just have enough. 2-2. Two, two. Actually, I don't think that's a bad shout, but I'm, I'm going to, because I've, cause I've stuck, said I've got to stick my neck out, I'm going to say Chelsea win. <laughs> Announced 3-0 Ajax. <laughs> right. really, like, what was it the other day when I said that there was no way Man United were going to be Chelsea? That, that bit me on the backside, didn't it? Yeah. You it's could only way. see one winner, I Mugs think, were your words Mugs for Manchester game. United versus Chelsea. And that winner you could see happened to be the team that didn't win. I'm not even going to make a prediction. I copped loads about that. And what I'd like to point out at the same <laughs> night, I don't recall anyone predicting five all Liverpool Arsenal. No, but that was never mentioned. Probably a fair shout. Right, that is it for Football Social Daily. Make sure you click subscribe so you never miss an episode. It's a free thing to do. There'll be a little button wherever you're listening to your podcast. If you click that, you'll get a little notification when the next show is available, which is every single day, because this is the only daily Premier League podcast. We'll see you next time. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.